We welcome you to the Christian Ministries Church podcast. We believe God has a message for you today that will encourage and speak truth to your heart and life. Let's join Pastor Melanie Bertolio as she shares the word with us today. All right, well, we are on our Names of God series tonight, and we're going to dive right into this. Jehovah Mekadishkim. <laughs> yes, would you like to buy a vowel? That, yes. <laughs> I, I, when, I'm gonna, when I'm studying something that's very um, defined, you know what I'm saying? Like, like a, when you're doing something that's topical, it's, it's a little less defined. But when you're doing a name of God, that's very definitive. And so when I'm studying things like that, I will oftentimes pull up um, different podcasts and just see what other people have had to say about this particular thing that I'm, I'm, I'm studying that's very defined. And I will tell you that every single person so far that I've listened to in, on a podcast that was preaching on Jehovah Mekadishkim, they, they, they put a caveat at the very beginning. Okay, I'll probably say this wrong all the way. Every single one of them say it at the beginning. It's a hard word to say. I don't know if I'm saying it right, uh, but here's what you can know. I've listened and listened and listened. I, t- I went to blueletterbible.com, and I listened to how they said it, and so I'm, I'm trying my hardest, but if, if, if the, the pronunciation morphs throughout the, <laughs> the, the time that I talk, please forgive me. Um, there is another, a shorter version of it, which is Maketish. Um, and they both mean the same thing. Um, and so we're going to talk about Jehovah Mekadishkim or Mekedish tonight. Um, so I want to start off by just saying this. In, we're doing the names of God, and I hope that you're finding this. I hope it's in, yeah. it, that God is enlightening uh, your, your heart. He's, he's opening the eyes of your understanding, as, as Ephesians tells us, that he can do and wants to do. I hope that he's doing that for you as we study these names of God. And I, I've been thinking about the names of God. And you know, we, we gave you a, a big long list of names of God, but the more I've studied, the more I've learned, there's more names of God. And there's, there's names that are, you know, that are, are kind of names, kind of titles. And we talked a little bit about that, but there's, there's so much to it. But I've been thinking about why are there so many names for God? And I've just decided it's because there's so many needs. Wow. We have so many needs. And, you know, we, we, we study and we learn that uh, God is the I am. That is who God is. God is the I am. When, who sent you? Tell them I am sent you. Well, who is I, I am? Well, it's whatever we need in the moment. When I am hurting, he is my comfort. When I am uh, needing help in, in, in the way I think, he's, he's, the one, he's the lifter of my head. He is whatever I need, that's who he is to me. And tonight we're going to learn about Jehovah Mekadishkim. 
And this is a, I mean, every time I study one, I think, oh no, this is my favorite one. And I kind of feel that way about Jehovah Mekadishkim. It's a name for God that is mentioned twice specifically in the Old Testament in Exodus 31 and then in Leviticus 20. And in, uh, in the Old Testament, we, we hear Jehovah Mekadishkim twice. But you hear, you know, I mentioned that it is that, that name can also be translated as Makedish. And the, the M part of that is, is the reference to God. The Kedish is, is the reference to, to the part that tells us what that name means. And that word, though, is mentioned hundreds of times in the Old Testament. And so we're going to learn what exactly... The, the name Jehovah Mekadishkim means. So in Exodus 31, uh, verses 12 and 13, it says this. It says, The Lord then gave these instructions to Moses. Tell the people of Israel, Be careful to keep my Sabbath day, for the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant between me and you from generation to generation. It is given so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Within that phrase, I am the Lord who makes you holy, that's where we find the name of God, Jehovah Mekadishkim. So Jehovah, I am the Lord, Mekadishkim or Kadesh, who sanctifies you, who makes you holy, who sets you apart. It can mean any or all of those things. I've set you apart, I have made you holy, and I have sanctified you. So we're going to talk tonight at length about sanctification. Now, we're not going to talk about it maybe in the way we've, we have taught on it in the past. Um, it's, not, uh, it's not a difficult term. Um, we talk, you use it a lot when you're talking about justification. So you've got justification and sanctification, and justification happens instantly when you are saved. Sanctification, we, we say it takes place over time. But another way you, you can say it is that sanctification, you've already been sanctified, you are being sanctified, and you will be sanctified. All right, so it's a present tense term. So no matter what day it is, it's true. So when I'm talking about it, I, I don't even worry about I've been sanctified or I will be. I, worry about, I don't worry about it, but I, am, I concentrate on I am being sanctified. And that's the part that's most important. So what does it mean to be sanctified? Well, I'm going to give you Melanie's definition of it. So uh, you won't find this in a book. Um, but, but to me, and after all of the studying that I have done on sanctification over the years, to me what sanctification is, is when I give God permission to clean me up. I mean, that's the simplest way I can say it. Um, Something that is sanctified is holy, it's pure, it's perfect. And so sanctification, the reason we say that sanctification is a process is because while my spirit was cleaned up instantly when I was saved, this flesh, this stuff right here, it wasn't. And that's the part that is the process of sanctification. So it is a lifelong process. But let me tell you something. It is a command for the believer. 
See, God says, be holy. He doesn't say, hey, it'd be a great idea if you tried to be holy. He says, be holy as I am holy. So being sanctified, a lot of people, uh, you know, they, they reject the sanctification process. But the fact of the matter is, it's not optional. It's a command to be sanctified. It's a lifelong process, but it is most definitely a command. In Hebrews 12, 14, uh, it says, work at living, with, living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. And the fact of the matter is that if you've been saved, don't let this verse kind of freak you out a little bit, because if you've been saved, you will see the Lord. But here's what I can tell you. If you allow the Lord to sanctify you now, if you, if you get on board with the process of, this, of sanctification, guess what? You, you will see the Lord now. You will see the Lord now. See, that person that, does, that, that, that pushes back against the process of sanctification, yes, they will see the Lord if they have acknowledged Christ as their Savior. And, but but, but they, they're missing some really good stuff right now because if you will just get on board with this idea of sanctification, you will begin to see the Lord in every single part of your life. And that's what I want. I am the Lord who makes you holy. When you read that, it is present tense. It's every day. It's not, well, you know what? I had a really good week last week. I mean, have, can, can anybody just be a witness to the fact that just as quickly as you can get things rolling in the right direction, they can start rolling the wrong direction too? I mean, you just get to thinking that, man, I read my Bible every single day this week. And then the next thing you know, you're going, I don't even remember when the last time I read my Bible was. I think it was a week ago last Thursday. I mean, that's just how... How the enemy works when he sees us progressing in a certain area, he's going to attack that area. And that's, that's, that's why sanctification is this thing that people sometimes will, will, will push back on. But it's vital for the life of a Christian. The name of God, Jehovah Mekadishkim, is being given in reference to the Sabbath. So you can't talk about this name of God without at least understanding the context of what's being said. And, and so what is the Sabbath? It's a day that is set apart as holy, right? It's a day that is set apart as holy. What's that have to do with our sanctification? He tells us in that scripture that the purpose of the Sabbath is to be a sign of the covenant between God and Israel that they have been set apart and made holy. So there's that day is a sign. It's a representation of a covenant between God and us that we are his chosen people. But you know, there are more things in our lives that are set apart than just that. I mean, on Sundays, our Sabbath, we do things differently, don't we? Don't do you look forward to Sunday? I look forward to Sunday. Why? Because it's set apart. And, and, and I, there are things that God, 
first of all, it's set apart for rest. And I don't know about y'all, but I try to get me a Sunday afternoon nap in every chance I get. But that's what it's set apart for. It's set apart for, to give us a time to rest. It's set apart to give us time to spend with our families. Because guess what? When you're on the job, you don't, you're not spending time with your family. So it's a, it's a day that we honor God in our families. But you know there's a part of your money that's, that's set apart, isn't there? I mean, a tithe, isn't that a, a tenth of your money that is set apart and, and, and marked as sanct- this money is sanctified, it's not even mine, it's God's? There's money that's sanctified. There are relationships that are sanctified. See, you're, if you are married... You are in a sanctified relationship. You are in covenant with God and with another person. And the two of you have been made one. And that relationship is different and set apart from every other relationship that you will have. So, so sanctification is, is something that actually applies in a lot of areas of our lives. And they matter for the Christian Because the process of allowing God to clean us up is important if we want to walk in the blessing of God. But you know what just breaks my heart is that I see so many Christian people really pushing back against the process. They don't know they're pushing back against the process. Do you know when they push back against the process? They push back against the process when they say things like, I just don't have time to read my Bible. It's just not realistic that I can live within the the framework of biblical morality. That's just not realistic in 2023. Nobody does that. All that is is pushing back against a process of sanctification. The problem isn't that we don't understand what sanctification is. The problem is we don't understand who does the sanctifying. Because we're all working and striving and we're getting up every day going, okay, all right, starting today, starting today, starting today. Aren't we? That's not where it's at. We're not making God happy by getting up and deciding to try harder. What makes God happy is when we get up and we say, God, I know I absolutely, positively cannot do this without you. I can't do it, but you can. That is what makes God happy. We treat it like something where we have to do the heavy lifting and God's on the sidelines watching. And that's not sanctification. That's not biblical sanctification. And we treat holiness like it's this far off thing that we can never attain. Well, we will never get to perfect holiness in this life. But we can certainly get a lot closer than we are now. I don't ever plan to stop pursuing holiness and allowing God to to manifest that in me through submission to him. I, I give him permission to correct me. You know, the Bible says that God corrects those that he loves. 
And I don't, I don't know about any of you. It does not feel good to be corrected. I deal with kids, so I have to, do, I have to be on the, the giving end of correction a lot. But you know what the absolute worst feeling in the world is? Is to be a grown woman and to have to go through correction. Now, sometimes that's from a person, but more often than not, it's just the Lord saying, okay, you really messed that up. And it's, it's such a difficult thing to go through that. But what I love about God is that when it says God corrects those he loves, then anytime he corrects me, I can look at the, if I'm willing to step back, I can look at that and say, thank you for absolute proof that you love me. Thank you, God. You just proved how much you love me. It's the same thing we do with our kids. They don't love it. And they don't understand it in the moment, oftentimes. But we know that, that that's, that's the way we love them. That's the way we love them. Is we're always trying to bring them up higher. We're always trying to protect them and, and get them on the right path. And that's what sanctification is. But we treat it, holiness like it's just this far off thing and nobody can reach it. It's completely unrealistic. And we say things like, I don't like to read. I don't understand the Bible and I don't have time to read it. We say, you know, I was just born with a fiery temper. My mom and dad had a bad temper and I've always been hot-headed and there's just nothing I can do about it. You know, my whole family's overweight. It just runs in my genes. I love food, and there's just nothing I can do about that. I'm not lazy. I'm not lazy. I just get tired faster than other people. I need more sleep than other people. People say it. I need more sleep than everybody else. Well, whew. all right. You know, my dad had diabetes and my mom had cancer twice, and I don't know which one I'll get, but I'll wind up with one of them. Biblical morality is just unrealistic today. I mean, God loves me even if I'm having sex outside of marriage, and he knows how we feel about each other. And it's just not realistic to think that anybody could live like that anymore. You know, I grew up in a house where everybody cussed. I just don't know how to talk any other way. I don't even notice when I'm doing it most of the time. That's just how I talk. I know he's not a Christian, but he's a really great guy, and I'm sure eventually he'll get saved. I mean, we make excuses all the time for our unholiness and our unholy decisions. We just do. And here's, here's what you got to know. You know what's prompting those unholy decisions and those unholy that unholiness within us it's a spirit of antichrist oh that's an awful thing to think but when you're saying something about god that it flies in direct contradiction to what the word of god says about god it is a spirit of antichrist that is behind that and you are putting more faith in the devil himself, than you are in God when you're doing that. That's not an easy thing to swallow, but the fact of the matter is that when you say 
that you can't overcome something that God clearly says that you can, you are making, putting yourself in enmity with God in that moment. I've never been sanctified in an area in my life that I didn't first believe that the Lord who sanctifies me could do it. And I'm telling you, we're all at a different place in our journey with the Lord. So I'm a lot farther along than I once was, but I still got a long way to go. But what I'm doing is I'm beginning to build more and more and more faith that if he's done it once, he'll do it again. The God who sanctifies me, I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Jehovah Mekadishkim. So you have an anger problem? It's not up to you to strive and work and sweat to overcome your anger problem. That doesn't make God happy. What makes him happy is you going, God, I've got an anger problem and I can't fix it, but I believe you can and I am willing to allow you to do it. That is what sanctification is all about. It's saying, God, sanctify my mouth. God, I've, I don't want to be a person who says words that, that I know are ugly and that, that, don't, that don't advance your kingdom and don't draw people to you. I don't want to say those things, God. Sanctify my tongue. Sanctify my mouth, God. Because you know what? I know other people that you've done that for, and I believe you will do it for me. So I can't do it alone, but I'm giving this to you, God. That's the sanctification process. God, I love food, but I love you more. Sanctify my appetite. Sanctify my choices. Now, it's not that we don't have a part to play in the process, but we don't even get the process started half the time because we aren't in the right frame of mind. It starts with recognizing who God is, the God who sanctifies you, Jehovah Mekadishkim. He does the work, and you agree that he can. If we could ever get a revelation on this point, God is not trying to take something from us when he's sanctifying us you got to hear this. This is really important. God is not trying to take something from you when he is sanctifying you. When he tells you to read your Bible, to tame your temper, to eat healthy food, to control your appetite, to work, to speak life, to only have sex with someone that you are married to, to not be unequally yoked to an unbeliever, when he's saying all of those things, he's actually saying that for you. He is not taking something away from you. He's doing that so that you are set apart for what he has called you to do. He's doing that to add to your life, not to take away from it. He's trying to improve your life and not diminish it. But we we get this idea that when he tells us not to do something, that he's taking something from us. Jesus said this in Mark Uh, chapter 2, verse 27, he said this about the Sabbath. He says, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. And some other versions say it like this. They say the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. 
What that's saying is, listen, God wasn't trying to burden us. He wasn't trying to to just yoke us with this weight that we can't carry by saying, you've got to be set apart and you've got to figure it all out and do it yourself. That's not what he was doing. He was saying, I want you to be sanctified because that was the avenue through which he could give us peace and rest and blessing. That's what he wants to do. When God sets anything apart, it's always for a good purpose. He cleans us up, he makes us holy, and it's always for our good. It's not for God's benefit. It's for ours. The second reference to Jehovah Mekadishkim is in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7. And it, in verses 7 and 8, it says this, Set yourselves apart to be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep all my decrees by putting them into practice, for I am the Lord who makes you holy. That's Jehovah Mekadishkim. But, but if we go on to verse 22, it says this. It says, You must keep all my decrees and regulations by putting them into practice. Otherwise, the land to which I am bringing you as your new home will vomit you out. Do not live according to the customs of the people I am driving out before you. It is because they do these shameful things that I detest them. But I've promised you, you will possess their land because I will give it to you as your possession, a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm the Lord your God who has set you apart from all other people. All right, Exodus, that was Leviticus. Exodus is the book that's right before that. And Exodus is the book where the people... God rescues his chosen people, the Israelites, from slavery, right? And so Exodus is the book where they are leaving slavery. Then there's Leviticus, and then it's Numbers. And in Numbers, God is is telling them all about the promised land, and he's giving them instructions about the promised land. But Leviticus is tucked in between there. And in Leviticus, God... uh, is, is giving them the Mosaic law. Now, Deuteronomy also gives it to them, but, but the Leviticus gives them the Mosaic law, which basically means it's a book full of rules, a book full of rules. And we know that we can look back on Israel's history that the law, in, in retrospect, you can look back and you can go, you know what, that was actually good for them. I mean, when God told him not to murder people, that was actually good for him. When God told him not to steal, not to covet other people's things, when God told them not to, not to, you know, go sleep with your neighbor's wife, those were all good things. When he told kids to honor their parents and obey them, that's a good thing. Okay? But in Romans 7, we learn that the law arouses evil desires that produce a harvest of sinful deeds that result in death. Not because the law is bad, but because it's, it's just like when you've got a hot stove and you tell a kid, don't touch that. It, for whatever reason, it's that sin that dwells, Paul says it dwells in our flesh. What happens? Tell a child, don't touch that stove. Rick and I got a, a, a pellet stove when the kids were all very, very small. And every single one of them had to touch it one time to, to never touch it again. But, but that's what the law does. When we say don't do that, 
it, it, it arouses something within us that then wants to do that. But this book, Leviticus, and this, these instructions that were given to them were given to them so they would know how to live in the land that God was giving. He said it was a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, you don't even have to love milk and honey to think, well, that sounds pretty good. I mean, really, when you think about it, you know just by the name, the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. There's something good in there for me. But there was also a lot of things in there that weren't good for them. So God gives them instructions and teaches them how to enjoy the promised land. God gives us instructions. He tells us when he says don't have sex outside of marriage, he's not trying to take something away from us. He's trying to provide an avenue for us to most enjoy a gift that he's given to us that is intended for a certain situation. When he tells us, hey, don't steal, he's telling that to us so that we can enjoy living next door to, to people and they're not angry with us and not coming and raiding our garages trying to see if we got their stuff. He's telling us because he wants the best for us. He's telling it to us because we are his chosen people, because we have been grafted in and we are now the bloodline of Jesus Christ. We are now chosen. But he gives us parameters. Why? So he can take stuff away? No, so we can most enjoy what he's given us. When he told the Israelites, hey, don't, don't intermarry with the people that are already living in the promised land. He told them that for a reason, and it never worked out well. When he told them to tear down the idols and the statues that had been erected to these false gods, he actually told them that for a reason, because when they left him up, things never went well for them. He wasn't trying to be a tyrant God. He knows more than we know. And, and just like just the, the same exact way we parent our children. I mean, when you've got small children, this is very easy to understand. You know more than they know. When he told them not to intermarry, he wasn't taking away their good options for spouses. He was saving them from certain destruction. When he told them to destroy, destroy all the idols and the false gods. He wasn't being intolerant. He was saving them from certain destruction. When he told them to destroy their enemies, he knew, he knew that the option was destroy them or they will destroy you. He knows more than we know. And, and sanctification is the process of trusting that he knows more than we know. And when he says, don't do this, we don't do it. He's teaching us how to live. And, and there's a lot of people, a lot of Christian people, they get frustrated when, you know, I don't want that preacher telling me how to live. Well, that's exactly what the preacher's supposed to do. He, 
He's reading the Bible. She's reading the Bible. Whoever it happens to be, they're reading the Bible. They're, they're, the Holy Spirit is, is revealing that truth. And then we come out and we just say what the Bible says. It's not intended to take things from us to be sanctified. When I was a kid, when we were going to go somewhere, okay, some of you might remember this. I don't, I don't think that younger generations probably do this quite so much. But when I was a kid and we were going to, we we're going to go somewhere nice and, you know, we had your good clothes on and, you know, all this kind of stuff. We'd get right up to the door of wherever we were getting ready to go into and my dad would stop us all, all three of us, and he would inspect us and he would look us up and down and then he would go like this. You know what I'm talking about. And then he would... Sometimes if it was really bad, my mom liked to carry a washcloth in a little fold-over sandwich baggie because we didn't have Ziplocs back then. And they'd pull that washcloth out and they'd start wiping on my face. You know what I did? The whole time. (laughs) And that's what my brothers did. Teresa, with her kids, she used to have them lick her thumb. Yeah, as if that's not just as gross. And I watched her kids, and they still went. <laughs> but, but that's, you know what, you know what, though? I wasn't doing this because I didn't want to be clean. I was doing it because I didn't like the process. Do you know what I'm saying? So... So the process is, no one's saying the process is fun. When, when God starts sanctifying your mouth and you, you start, you never used to even notice when you would say a cuss word and now you're like, and heaven forbid you say one in here because some people have done it. You know what we're not doing? We're not going, oh, get thee behind me. We're not doing that. We are trusting that God is sanctifying you. And if all you did was just notice it for the first time, then that's progress, isn't it? The process isn't fun. You got to hear me. The process isn't fun. Don't rebel against the process of sanctification. Don't be that. Don't do it. Let God do what he wants to do. Why? Because it's for you. He has set you apart. He has a plan and purpose for you, and he wants to sanctify you for you. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.